They say, the harder the work, the greater the reward. This is our life's work. It's November 2nd at 1.05 p.m. and this is the TDN Writers Room. I'm your host, Bill Finley, and uh, Lucy couldn't make it this week, so we have a new mascot. Say hi to Penny, everybody. Hey. Hi, Penny. <laughs> Nice Everyone needs Penny. a therapy dog, right? We need dogs. We do. Yes. Well, welcome everybody to the show. I want to remind you the TDN Writers Room is brought to you by Keeneland. Returning this November, Keeneland will offer a single session dedicated to racehorses on the final day of the November sale, which is November 17th. So guys, it's that time. And you know what we're going to do? We're not going to waste time with anything but what really matters right now, which of course is the Breeders' Cup. So the team is going to take you through all the races. We'll start with Friday. We're going to give some picks, some insights, hopefully give you some winners, hopefully uh, entertain you for the next hour or so. Um, so, guys, let's get right to it. And we'll start with the first race on Friday, which is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. I'm going to have to put the glasses on for this so that I can read everything. And I'm going to try to, throughout this, give a little bit of history for these races. And res this race has been run only four times. Wesley Ward has won the last three. The fourth was won by Todd Pletcher. It has never been won by a European uh, horse. And all three of those winners run by Wesley Ward, won by Wesley Ward, were ridden by Arado Ortiz Jr. So where else am I going to go? But right back to what wins every year. Love reigns with Arado Ortiz Jr. aboard for Wesley Ward. Um, this is a filly. Uh, I don't think that that doesn't bother me one bit. Um, but she's coming off a really nice win in the Bolton Landing. Um, she just fits the bill for what I'm looking for in this race. Uh, you know, the other thing, too, about this race, it's it's you, normally this is a race I wouldn't get that excited about. But this is probably one of the most interesting races on the card. You've got Tyler's Tribe, what he's trying to pull off coming out of Iowa. You've got the horse, the Platinum Queen, who uh, is coming out of the win over older horses in the, uh, excuse me, the Prix de la Bay. He ran second in the uh, Nunthorpe Stakes, uh, trying to beat older horses. Uh, Randy, this is a really fun race, but I got to go with the Wesley Ward angle. I, I mean, look, there are a couple of trends in here, uh, just in general, the to pay attention to one is what the one you just mentioned, Wesley Ward. The other one is that Charlie Appleby has entered horses in 10 Breeders' Cup races in his career. Now, he's had multiple horses in some of those races, but he's entered in 10 Breeders' Cup races, won six. Right. And and he's also got a contender in here as well. The, the thing one of the things that interests me about this race, I don't recall in a Breeders' Cup race, even in a sprint, uh, seeing this much sheer speed all lined up against each other and mostly from outside post positions. The Platinum Queen from England, Speedboat Beach, Bob Baffert, Tyler's Tribe has never been behind. Sharp as Attack, you know, outran Speedboat Beach to the lead last time in California. Those are four seriously fast horses, and they're probably not the only speed in the race either. Love Reigns has speed as well. So I'm going to go for a horse from a little off the pace, and I'm going to Go with Charlie Appleby, uh, the European mischief magic, who typically is in the back of the pack. He's going to need some racing luck. But I just think even at five and a half furlongs, this race could be falling apart uh, the last eighth of a mile. And what price would Blackbeard be if he was in this race, if he hadn't been retired to stud by Aiden O'Brien? That horse beat him a couple of lengths. He won the race. This horse was fourth behind Blackbeard. So, I mean, this is this horse has got some serious as we talk about Mischief Magic, a son of Exceed and Excel, just think Blackbeard and then think Mischief Magic. So I think you're definitely 
on the right way. I mean, if you can get eight to one on Mist of Magic, go on with it. I don't think you're going to, mm. purely because of the Charlie Appleby record that you, you just talked about. Charlie seems to know exactly what horses to bring. Now, Aiden comes, he was quoted as saying, the reason that keeps him coming back to Breeders' Cup with all these horses is not winning his defeat <laughs> because he wants to win. He keeps getting beat, so he keeps coming back and keeps punching. But uh, Mischief Magic, definitely the way to go. Um, I, I'm high on the filly that's coming over, the Platinum Queen. I just love her. I mean, she's probably going to think she's she's carrying a high weight now. She's carrying 119. She's carried 116 last time, Holly Doll. She's going to have to be used. We're going to have to see what kind of speed she's got. But I don't think she's a need-the-lead type. Speedboat Beach is drawn right on the inside. He actually had a canter around the turf course today and was actually being overtaken by the Europeans. And I thought this was a very un-Bob -Bob Baffert-like thing to do because Bob never works horses on the grass. You can't work them on the grass in, at Santa Anita. But the fact that he even took this horse out there for a canter around was, was unlike Bob. That's nothing that he's really done before. And you couldn't really see if the horse got a feel for the track because he was going so slowly. Uh, Umberto just kept his head cocked and just kept him basically cantering around the dogs. But he looked fine out there. He will get a new rider. It's really interesting that Flavian Pratt gets back on. Hernandez does not ride the race. Uh, he's been taken off this one. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the dirt mile a little bit later, but he does still retain the mount on Cave Rock. So Flavian Pratt knows his turf calls like the back of his hand. And I think it's Speedboat Beach's race to lose purely on the pure speed factor. Uh, Randy, and I'm glad she brought up Speedboat Beach because from a figure standpoint, what do you do with this horse? The huge number on the dirt and then the not so huge number on the turf. Also, uh, to me, this is just not Bob Hefford's game. He has, he has started 133 horses in the Breeders' Cup and only one prior in a turf race. I don't like him at all. I don't like him at all in here. Uh, and Bob concedes that if if we still had the juvenile sprint on dirt, which they ran for a few times, in which he won with Secret Circle, that's where Speedboat Beach would be running. Right. He'd be running on the dirt instead of the grass. The only reason he's running in a turf race and the only reason he ran in the speakeasy is because there is no Breeders' Cup sprint for two-year-olds except for this grass race. So he gave him a shot on the turf. He ran well. He won. Did I, I don't think he ran as fast as he's going to need to run to win today. And with all the other speed in here, even though he, he set last time, he set second. Uh, I just have trouble thinking that, uh, that, that he's going to be that much of a contender in here at the end. And, with the, and for the Platinum Queen, I share Zoe's opinion about the Platinum Queen and how good she is. The one concern I have about her is that when you look at her European races, uh, to use their language, she tends to wander a little bit as she comes through the stretch. She, she tends to respond. I think the bend is going to help. Gonna run around, she's got to yeah, run around a turn now for the I, very I first time in her career. Focus. Moving down the straightaway. She's in yeah. and out. She's in. Yeah, I just have a problem with how she's going to handle the bend. Yeah, I think she loses focus, I, to be perfectly honest. I think the bend is going to help her. Like, okay. of all the horses coming over, I think running around a turn is definitely going to help her because – if you've ever stood at the bottom of like one of those five furlong miles straightaways, that's an awful long way. I think she might just re-break when she turns for home and sees the straightaway. I really think it's going to help her. 
right. All right. We move along now to the seventh race on the Friday card, which is the uh, NetJets Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And kind of the way I handicap favorites or, or horses that are going to be among the favorites, if I don't have a knock on them, I'm perfectly fine taking them. And what knock do you possibly have on Chocolate Gelato coming here for Pletcher? She's got the numbers. She's got the big win last time out in the Frazetta to grade one. Also like Chop Chop in here a little bit. Um, didn't have the greatest of trips in the Alcibiades. Uh, was off a little bit slow. Was uh, 11th early. Closed very resolutely for Brad Cox into a reasonably slow pace. Um, those are my top two picks. I have anatomically as a price coming out of those Florida Stallion races for Todd Pletcher. First time out for Pletcher. Uh, figures, Randy, on that horse are, are good. 83 is matches Chocolato's last race. Randy, your take on the juvenile Phillies? Uh, at 12 to 1, I'll take anatomically. Looking for, looking okay. for a price. Yeah, there we I, go. I, I agree with you that there's absolutely nothing wrong with Chocolate Gelato. Uh, I think she's the horse to beat. Uh, when they worked together in company, you got the impression that chocolate gelato is maybe a little bit better than anatomically in the workout. But Todd Pletcher hasn't had anatomically for that long. She was purchased out of the race in Florida. Uh, new owners now, the Eclipse Thoroughbred. So she hasn't really been in the Pletcher program for that long. So I'm kind of willing to forgive her, you know, maybe not galloping out as strongly as some of the other Pletcher horses have. Loved her last race in Florida. Uh four or five wide around the first turn, wide around the second turn. And just visually, I thought her races against lesser competition, but I thought her races were very impressive. And by the numbers, we had to boost the buyer speed figure six points uh, in the last race at Gulfstream Park. She was like a second and a half faster than the boy division, than the, than the Colt division the same day, two races later. So I thought she was very impressive. Uh, Chop Chop, I think she's got, you know, she's in with a big shot. The one thing I'll say about Chop Chop and my concern uh, when you look at the footnotes for Chop Chop, step slow at the start. In my opinion, she was not a step slow at the start. In my opinion, she broke just fine, and she had zero early speed. Coming out of turf races where they went 49 and change, and now she's running in a dirt race at a mile and a 16th, I think she just dropped back for lack of speed. And she finished huge, and she got beat a nose by Wonder Wheel in the Alcibiades, Somebody told me, he said, well, the only reason she got beat was, was this was a short stretch at Keeneland. And I said, well, where's this race run? Said, yeah, obviously <laughs> it's run back at Keeneland. So, you know, I think Chop Chop is going to run big. You know, I think she'll be flying down the lane. Uh, but I worry that she's just going to run out of time uh, again. So at 12 to 1, I'll take anatomically. Well, I'm going chalk. I'm a chalk weasel, but I'm going to back chocolate gelato. I saw her schooling today. She looks great. She's a big, growthy filly. I've loved her. I can't believe she actually got beat on debut. That's how good she was training. I think Todd's still scratching her head, his head over her actually getting beat on the debut. So I'll take chocolate gelato, but there's a couple of other horses. I, I'm with you on Atomically. She's got She's got some very good numbers, but You're My Girl has been training for the last couple of weeks with John Terranova here and training very, very well at Keeneland. She was second to Chocolate Gelato. She's 10 to 1 on the morning line, picks up Johnny V, and I think she's going to run a bang-up race. Maybe the slot moved her up last time out. I mean, she's not bred to go all that far. She's by overanalyzed out of an Indian Charlie mare, but I like her. I love the way she's training. And I also like the filly on the far outside for Phil Serpy, leave no trace. Again, she might have some distance limitations, but she's a beautiful filly. She ran third to chocolate gelato. My key is going to be chocolate gelato, but leave no trace at 20 to one is going to hit the board for sure.
Now, Zoe, explain again why chocolate gelato was pudding. Because <laughs> it's pudding. It's it's pudding. Oh, like, just that's it. Pudding. Yeah, it's basically pudding. Any any kind of pudding. I, I'd rather strawberry gelato, to be honest. But you know, thanks. <laughs> okay. I'm still scratching my head about that one a little bit. All right, we move on to eight, uh, race eight, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. You would think this would be a race that the Europeans would dominate in. It's been anything but. Uh, U.S.-based horses have won the last eight straight in a row and 12 of the last 14. So there's a little, I'm going to try to give you some historical footnotes on these races. To me, this is the race I'm where I'm really going to go out on a limb and pick a crazy kind of horse. I like last call at 20 to 1 in here for trainer Kevin Attard coming in from Woodbine. Again, this is a price play. Is this the most likely winner? Not necessarily, but if I'm going to get 20 to one on this horse, and I think I will get that kind of price, I'm definitely going to use this on my tickets. Um, first of all, again, from the figures, Randy, for 79 last time out on the town mistakes um, was a big move up. So you do have a, you know, the sense, can she run back to that race? But if she does, she's right in the mix of things. Very intriguing that Frankie DeTore, uh takes over the mount for uh, Rafael Hernandez. Good rider, but he's you know a, a good rider on the Canadian circuit. So uh, that is definitely my top pick at a price. Um, Zygera, number 13. Oh, no, wait a minute. I, got, I did a story on this horse today. The pronunciation is Kaijira. Kaijira, yes. And it's named for a uh, safari ranch in Botswana. But Randy, you already knew that, didn't you? I know. Yes. You know everything. <laughs> You're good. I can't put anything past you. Then I have number four, Free Look Third, another kind of price play uh, for Chad Brown. Obviously, got to respect Chad Brown in this race. So I'm going to go. I, Randy, I definitely look at this as one of the most wide open races on the Breeders' Cup card. You know, if you're playing pick whatever's in here, this to me is a race where you've got to come up with a 14, 15 to one shot because I think that's who's going to win it. Kijira, by the way, Kijira is, is, is the way they pronounce it in Botswana, the Botswana safari place. Uh, I totally agree that this is a race that is likely to be won by a long shot. And these horses are just a jumble on form because the winners of the American prep races both had hugely advantageous trips. Pleasant Passage in the Miss Grillo, which has traditionally been the key prep race for this had a very easy time on the front end. And the horse I thought that was the most visually impressive of the American winners was Delight in the Jessamine, same thing. She got away with, with an easy pace on the front end in that race. And the horse that you pointed out that you liked as a long shot, last call winning the Natalma, actually overcame a very slow pace, rallying from back in the pack at Woodbine uh, to manage to win anyway. So at 20 to one, you know, you can do, uh, you can do a whole lot worse than that. I have trouble with this race, quite honestly. And I think this is almost like a, you know, throw a dart at the wall kind of race. Meditate. I could see running really well for Aiden O'Brien. By the way, I think one of the main, there are two words to explain why the Americans have dominated this race. Chad Brown. Right. And, and Chad, I don't think, I don't think free look quite lives up to the newspaper of record level of, you know, some of the other past two-year-old fillies that he has that he has run in this race. So I'll just I'll just take a stab. I'll stay with an American. I'm gonna take a stab with an eight to one horse. Uh be your best. Okay. She looks so visually impressive in her first two races, including the PG Johnson uh, at Saratoga. And then she ran in the Miss Grillo and she caught yielding turf in the Miss Grillo. So you know if you if you can say that that the course condition 
uh, work to her disadvantage, and that's taking a stab. You don't know that. Uh, then you could see be your best rebounding and improving a little bit and maybe winning at a decent price. But I could go for almost anything in here. I, I like be your best. She's actually grown a little bit. She, you know, it's ironic. She's owned by Mike Ryan, who is the bloodstock agent for the stars or bloodstock agent to Chad Brown. So he bought free look and yet he's running against Chad Brown in here with be your best. Horatio de Paz. I'd not seen her since I actually saw her at Saratoga. And she has grown up. She's not an overly big filly, but she does have a wicked turn of foot. And I think that wicked turn of foot was slowed down over that yielding ground at Aqueduct. Now, watching the horses train this morning on the grass, we've not had a lot of rain here other than the deluge they got a few days ago, but there's a pretty good cut in the turf course. And I think it's really going to dry out over the next couple of days as well. So it's not going to be yielding. And I think we'll see be your best, perhaps be as good as she can be. Is she good enough though? That's my question. I like mediate, meditate in here for Aiden O'Brien. I think he wins this. I mean, we're talking about a filly who's won four of six. She's one carrying 128 pounds. She carries 122. She doesn't get a terrible draw in the 10 hole. She's got some horses on the outside. And she's been running against some some good fillies. I like her, and I'll take her with Free Look for Chad Brown. Free Look is a filly who I've always, always liked. I don't think she got the best pace scenario last time out, but I think she's going to come back a much better way. I don't think the Pleasant Passage is going to be able to walk the dog like she did last time. She might be third. The Race two nine is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Go ahead, Randy. I was just going to say about, about Meditate. She won her first four starts. The The horses that beat her in the Moigler Stud in the Sheepley Park, her last two starts, were two of the early favorites for the 1,000 guineas next year in England, Tahira and Lazoo. So she has been keeping outstanding company over there. The best of company. All right. And once again, the ninth race is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I'm not going to try to beat Cave Rock in here. Um, you know, not only is he the fastest horse, not only has he been the most impressive but it looks to me like he's loose on the lead as well. I don't see anybody going after him early. Uh, you know, Baffert has done an exceptional job with this. I think this is one of the best two-year-olds. You know, Baffert has been so dominant in this race. He's won it five times. Though uh, it's interesting, none of his um, Breeders' Cup juvenile winners won a triple crown race. So, you know, does that augur well for K-Rock if he wins? Well, we'll find out. I certainly think that, um, you know, I'm not going to dismiss this horse from the triple crown races at this point. That would be foolish. But he's the best horse in the race. He's loose on the lead. And, you know, I just don't see again, you know, uh, I don't like want to take four to five necessarily on this horse. But, you know, from a standpoint of is he going to get beat? I certainly don't think so. Um, I'm a kind of wise guy. Well, I don't know how much of a wise guy horse he is because he's six to one. He's blazing sevens for Chad Brown. Um, I don't know what ha happened to him in the hopeful. But his other two starts have been dynamite, winning the maiden special at Saratoga by uh, open lengths and then coming back to win the champagne um, in a very good performance. Uh, nothing wrong with Forte. I'll throw him in third. But, Randy, can they beat Cave Rock? I don't think so. I mean, we were sitting in Todd Pletcher's uh, tack room here and, and, you know, Todd was talking about how he, you know, his main hope was that somebody went with Cave Rock. And we all pulled out our past performances and Todd went to his iPad. And we started looking for who could possibly run with K-Rock. There was only one option, and that's Hurricane Jay breaking from the rail. They got to go from the inside. He's had two six furlong races, but I, even if they go with him, I still think he's fast enough to keep up with K-Rock. So I think K-Rock's going to control the pace, and I think he's going to be very, very tough to beat. I have respect for Forte. He's a legitimate horse. I have a respect for Blazing Sevens. 
you know, I mean, he looked good in the champagne. Uh, but I just think it's Cave Rock's race to lose. National Treasure, Baffert's other horse, ran a nice second to Cave Rock in the American Pharaoh. But in talking to Bob, you know, he thinks that maybe down the road, National Treasure could be a better horse next year at longer distances. He thinks he's got more developing to do physically. And, you know, in, in talking to him, even with blinkers on, you know, he doesn't think that uh, at this stage, that national treasure is as good as he's going to be a little further down the road. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think if Bob owned national treasure, he'd just bring cave rock. Uh, but I mean, he's a good horse. I mean, you can't be afraid of one horse ever. We've seen this time and time and time again. So that's why he's here. But cave rock, let's face it. He's a man against boys. Watch him school today. And everyone's talking about how he looks like Arrogate. He doesn't look like Arrogate. He travels a bit like Arrogate, but he is thick. He's a big, beautiful son of Arrogate. He's got the frame. And even Bob alluded to this the other day. He looks like a three-year-old already. Arrogate as a two-year-old was a big gangly thing with legs all over the place. But Cave Rock, he's got it all put together. And he schooled like an absolute champ today. He's a beautiful horse. Numbers-wise, he's going in the right direction. Um, so it's his race to lose. And we all know when the gates open, anything can happen. So uh, I like him. Blazing Sevens, yes. I think Verifying, I, I've watched him train a little bit. He doesn't need to be on the lead, and I think he's going to be in that second flight with Joel Rosario. It wouldn't surprise me to see him run a huge race. He's a good horse. I'm not sure we've seen the best of yet. All right, we move along to the last of the two-year-old races on Friday. It's the Juvenile Turf. And as opposed to the Juvenile Phillies turf, this has been one where the Europeans have been much better. Uh, they've won 10 of the last 15. Aiden O'Brien has won this race four times. Here's where I'm going with Charlie Appleby in here. And, you know, Charlie Appleby figures to have a huge Breeders' Cup. I like number four, Silver Knot, with uh, William Buick aboard. Um, you know, his his numbers out of Europe, the time form rating last time out of 102. Randy, how do, in general, is there a rule of thumb how you compare time form ratings to buyer numbers? Not really. I mean, my my rule of thumb, and I don't know if it's that accurate of a rule of thumb, is to subtract 15 points or so from time form. Uh, and that's given me kind of a, you know, vague idea. But, you know, sometimes it's not all that accurate. To me, Silver Knot is the most likely winner of the any of the Breeders' Cup races on Friday. Wow. I mean, we saw Appleby send over to Woodbine. Um, the horse that won the summer stakes so impressively, Mysterious Knight. And we were all for, you know, for weeks saying that, okay, Mysterious Knight's going to come back over here and he's going to be the heavy favorite for the juvenile turf and he's probably going to win it. Well, Appleby is not bringing Mysterious Knight because Silver Knot, he believes, is a better horse. And he's rated more highly than Mysterious Knight, who just dominated in the summer. So, I mean, Silver Knot's form is great on paper. You got the Appleby factor. None of the Americans here. I think Pac's a wallop. Even though California horses have traditionally done very poorly in the two-year-old turf races, I think they're 0 for 49. Pac's a wallop visually has been the most impressive, to me at least, of any of, of the American-based two-year-old horses. And I know Mike Smith has been very impressed with Pac's a wallop as well. So that's my exacta, uh, Silver Knot and Pac's a wallop in here. I'm very busy. Um, it, I love him. Um, I've loved him from the get-go. 
he was the one that stood out for me, stood out to me watching these horses train all summer at Saratoga. His maiden win was impressive. Um, I think Major Dude got away with the lead last time out, and this horse just couldn't catch up over the yielding turf at Aqueduct. He gets Flavian Pratt back on, and he has looked a standout training here at Keeneland in the morning. You want to see a good-looking son of cloud computing? Take a look at this guy. He is hubba hubba handsome. I'm very busy for me. I'm as wise he doesn't stack up. And I'm I'm with you with the Charlie Appleby silver knot. Like numbers wise, nobody's beating him and maybe they won't. But I think that maybe um, I'm very busy can get the jump on him. Um, if you see him in the morning, Randy, you'll you'll be like, oh, wow, who is that? He just stands out. I got a long shot for you. Mostache for Vicky Oliver has run some serious numbers and he'll be flying late. Watch out for him. He's in the 12 holes, so he's probably going to save some ground, 20 to 1 on the morning line. I think he's legit. I'm very busy. If I encourage people to go back and watch, uh, you know, go to YouTube or anything you want and watch the Pilgrim Stakes in his last start uh, to what Zoe's talking about. I mean, why she, one of the reasons why she likes him, I, I believe. Uh, he was running against a major dude. He rolls up on the outside at the quarter pole like he's going to win by four or five lengths. It's just a matter of how yeah. far he's going to win at that point. And he just, he didn't go by. And Flavian no. Pratt, who rode him that day and will ride him again, blames the course condition, blames the yielding turf, that he's yeah. just kind of floundering the last quarter of a mile, couldn't really, you know, propel himself like he would normally finish and get a hold of the turf. And they're looking for a lot better, uh, a lot better finish uh, from the source of King. The TDN Writers' Room is brought to you by Keeneland. Keeneland Thoroughbred Sales produced 54 of the horses entered in the Breeders' Cup. Alumni include three entrants in the Classic, all of whom are graduates of the Keeneland September Sale. Epicenter Life is Good and Olympiad. Through 2021, 123 Keeneland grads have won 132 Breeders' Cup races. That is an awful lot of races, guys. It was announced this week that multiple French Group 1 winner Dreamloper, who will make her next start in the Breeders' Cup mile, will sell during Book 1 of the November Breeding Stock Sale. Book 1 starts at 1 p.m. on November the 7th, right after the Breeders' Cup. When the thoroughbred world descends upon Lexington this November, there is one place you need to be. The place where history comes alive with every championship victory. He's off the dickendee! The place where the future is built with the fall of a gavel. The place that exists to be the heart of this industry. The center of it all. Home to the November Breeding Stock Sale and the 2022 Breeders' Cup, Keeneland. Spitestown. Bunning. Echo Town. It's Echo Town for Joe Talamo and Echo Town. Raced away. And Echo Town is drawing away in the stretch. Echo Town wins the Allen Turkin Stakes. A sire line so prolific it repeats itself. Echo Town. The TDN Writers' Room is brought to you by Coolmore. Top sire Uncle Mo has an awful lot of horses going forward in this year's Breeders' Cup. Golden Pal in the turf sprint, who will retire to Coolmore shortly afterwards. Some other progeny of Uncle Mo include Curly, Larry, and Mo, and Mo Stash in the Juvenile Turf. Leave No Trace in the Juvenile Phillies. Hurricane Jay in the Juvenile. Awake at Midnight in the Distaff. 
Slowdown Andy in the Dirt Mile, Family Way in the Philly and Mare Turf, Bye Bye Melvin in the Turf, and Uncle Mo, check this out, will stand for 150 next year at Ashford. And by the way, Curly, Larry, and Mo will start from post position number three. You can't make this thing <laughs> up. I like that, Randy. <laughs> three, of course, for the great Three Stooges, the greatest comedy routine uh, uh, trio in the history of comedy. Uh, huge Stooges fan here, so I love that horse's name. All right, so we kick off the Saturday card with the Philly and Mayor Sprint. I'm going with Cece in here, and I like I like to see horses well, trying to repeat what they did last year. And last year, she comes into this race off a win in the Chillingsworth, be, uh, before that, a run in the ballerina, before that, a run in the Prince, Princess Rooney. What did she do this year? Princess Rooney, ballerina, Chillingsworth. Um, I think she's going to get a really nice trip in here, too. Um, just sort of stalking from just off the speed. Um, I know her number was a little bit slow in the Chillingsworth last time out of 95. But I think, you know, Michael McCarthy seems to have it figured out how to bring this horse up to this race, get her to peak in here. Um, so that is my uh, my pick in there. Uh, Frank's Rocket too, at six to one in the morning line. Uh, there's nothing to dislike about her. I know people might look at her last race and say, oh, I was just at Charlestown. But nonetheless, I mean, she just ran a hole in the wind that day. One by six, got a hundred and four buyer number. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I totally was fooled by the Japanese horses last year. I guess I shouldn't make that mistake again. I don't like Chain of Love on top. The only horse coming out of Japan for this year's Breeders' Cup, but uh, I'm probably not going to throw her out either, Randy. Yeah, um, you know, this is such a good race. There are so many horses in here that are just legitimately good. I mean, Slammed is nine for 12 lifetime. Uh, and I've been I've been on the Slammed bandwagon now for, uh, you know, ever since uh, Delmar. Uh, but from post position number one, I mean, even at 15 to one, I mean, I, I think she's a good play at 15 to one. I don't think she'll be 15 to one. And, but, uh, you know, I just think she might get chewed up from the inside post position. I, I don't, I'm not going to try to beat every favorite. To me, the most visually impressive horse in this race, uh, most recent race, was Goodnight Olive. And I know she's the three to one program favorite and she's only running in her second lifetime stakes race. Uh, but I think she'll sit a good trip right behind the speed. And I think she'll get first jump on CC. And I like a good night, Olive, uh, CC exacta. And I also think obligatory might run pretty well uh, also because I think the pace is going to be exceptionally fast. And the obligatory is one of those kind of fillies that, you know, lays way back. Seven furlongs is her distance. And I think she can, uh, you know, she can come and pick up some of the pieces. The Japanese filly, if, and just in case you're interested in the Japanese filly at 20 to 1, uh, you can find her last race actually on YouTube and you can watch it. She's probably, I don't know. 15 lengths back at one point during that race. He's way back in a 16 horse field and, you know, worked her way through and got up in the very last jump. So if the pace is as fast as I think it's going to be, uh, her running style might actually uh, be suited for a race like that. But it's good night, Olive, for me. I think you're reading my mind. I actually have an olive in my Bloody Mary in here. I actually came from <laughs> fashionable fillies of Jeff Ruby's right now. So I, I brought my Bloody Mary across the street with me. So it's good night, olive, for me. Um, again. I have my life water. Oh, you okay. Well, you, you're way better than I am. I had to have a Bloody Mary. Um, good night, olive, for me. Absolutely. Watching her train all summer long in Saratoga. Chad's done a good job of spacing her races out. And, oh, God, I mean, five for six with one second-place finish. It's her race to lose with Irad aboard. Um, Frank's Rocket. I saw her school today. Man, she's a 
I mean, Lady Rocket, she's a, a beast and she's run some really, really good races, like massive races. And I think she's going to run a huge race. Kamari like ran away and hid from her last time out. But I think on the outside with Rosario, she's going to run very, very well indeed. But I'm all about good night, Olive. Frank's Rocket. Yeah, Frank's Rocket for Bill Mott. Excuse me. Negative two winning by six last time out on the thoroughgraph. And she's had plenty of time to recover. And she's proven that's just not Charlestown. She won at Saratoga as well. So I think it's six to one. I'll, I'll take some of that with Sires aboard. Randy, I'm a little surprised you didn't show more love to Frank's Rocket. I mean, from the buyer figures, isn't she the best horse on the numbers? I, she's coming off a big race. I, I just can't, you know, to me, She's not as reliable right? Uh, as I would prefer coming back and running in the Breeders' Cup. Now, what's interesting about Frank Sarkett is that two years ago, uh, she was in good form and she was coming up to the Breeders' Cup. And Bill Mott decided that she was much better at six furlongs mm -hmm. than at seven furlongs. So he chose her to run against the boys in the Breeders' Cup sprint. And she was absolutely in over her head. I mean, they just ran her off her feet right from the start. She couldn't keep up and she ran poorly. She's 0 for 3 at 7 furlongs, but in her last start, they sent her to Charlestown. Uh, she was 1 to 5, so she's supposed to win. They ran her 7 furlongs, and she finished really well to get the first uh, 7 furlong win in her career, and now that's why uh, she's going to give it a shot in the 7 furlong, uh, you know, filling mirror sprint. Um, I respect her, uh, but figure-wise, when you talk about CC not running quite as big a number in the Chillingsworth as she had been running a 95 buyer, she was four wide all the way around the turn. She had an outside trip. So if you would do, let's say, what the thoroughgraph numbers do or what the Ragazin numbers do, and you would take trip into consideration, then that would be a 100 figure instead of a 95. So it always helps to look at the way the race was run and the way the figure was earned. So I don't hold that 95 against CC at all. Yeah, CeCe's as good now as she was last year. It's just a question of are the other ones better than her this year? Because she's never been as good going into the race now since last year. And that's echoed by both Whitey, Michael McCarthy, and Victor Espinosa. She's in tip-top form. You know what's odd? Two words that we haven't uttered. Echo Zulu. I know, right? How don't like her. Don't like her one bit. Shows you how good this race is. We haven't even yeah. mentioned Echo Zulu. I know. Yeah. Well, you watch her. She's, she's, <laughs> she's no faster than she was as a two-year-old. And that to me is, is just something, I, a pattern in a horse that I, I definitely don't like. She just doesn't look like she's progressed that much. Um, but I was wrong about her last time out. I tried to beat her last time out in that race um, at, uh, at in Kentucky. But anyways, all right. So now we move along to the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint Race 4 on the Saturday card at Keeneland. It's another race where the U.S. horses have dominated, had 13 of the last 14 winners. So to me, it looks like the, uh, you know, the, the sprinters from Europe are just, a little, you know, it's just a different style of racing over here. They go so fast early. And I think that they're uh, going to be up against it. So for that reason, I'm not going to go for high field prints. I, I came into this wanting to try to beat Golden Pal. Uh, and I bet you, you two are going to, I just based on some of the comments we made earlier, I wonder if you guys are going to try to beat him. But, you know, he's, First of all, he, he's coming off a race where he looked pretty good, but not sensational. The choice stakes before that, he only won by a neck. 
But there's a couple of things going for him. I mean, obviously, Wesley Ward, obviously his affinity for winning the Breeders' Cup races, his consistency, the 106 buyer number last time out, 110 in the Shaker Town at Keeneland to start off the year. And also, in a race like this, you'd think there'd be a huge amount of speed in here. And the only other speed in the race is the 14 horse, Art- Artemis City Limits, who didn't wasn't able to keep up with them last time out in the Woodford Stakes. I see Golden Pal on the lead fairly comfortably. I mean, it's not going to be six in front and a 23 or anything like that. But I see him getting the kind of trip that he needs. And I think I'm going to play the chalk here with Golden Pal. And I enough respect for Wesley Ward. I'm going to throw in the seven horse, Arrest Me Red as well, um, is my long shot play in there. Randy? You know, when you watch Golden Pals races, especially even last year in the Breeders' Cup, it looked like he got a head start. It looked like the gate opened on his uh, post before all the others. That's how fast his horse breaks from the starting gate. The only races on his form where he didn't break that quickly were the King's Stand during Royal Escott when Irene Ortiz was busy looking around behind him <laughs> to, see, to see a horse that wound up being scratched. And they, and they, and they, and they, and they sprung the gates and he wasn't ready. Uh, and then the, uh, the Troy at Saratoga where he kind of, broke a, maybe a half a step or a step slowly and got squeezed back just a little bit. And as a result, he had to stalk for the first time in his career. And he won, but he just didn't win that visually impressively. But here's the thing about Golden Pal, right? You're always trying to look for, fav- for you know favorites to try to beat. You can't take them all. You're trying to look for anything that might hint at a chink in the favorite's armor. And as you pointed out, Bill, I think Zoe and I both talked last time Golden Pal won in the Woodford. Yes, the figure was good. And it was this turf course, and it's his home track. But he didn't wow me in that race with the way he finished. And I don't buy the notion that Wesley Ward didn't have him cranked for the Woodford. Coming off, you know, from August to October with the Breeders' Cup, you know, coming up right away. Uh, I don't I don't buy that. So to me, I came in here looking, as you said, to try to beat Golden Pal. Now, the reason the Europeans have not run this well in this race in the past, you pointed out a couple. Speed is the name of the American game. Sharp breaks from the gate, the name of the American game. This race has run around a turn, and the sprinters in Europe typically run down straightaways. So all those, I think, and more importantly, though, more importantly, Europe hasn't sent their best sprinters over here, in my opinion. There is one here, though, High Field Princess, who is going to be named the champion the champion sprinter in England. She's really in good form right now. She's got great tactical speed. So I think she can be sitting second right behind Golden Pal. And to me, when they turn for home, uh, I think you might see one of these European type finishes here in the United States where the European just seems to have more in the tank for the final quarter of a mile than the American turf horses do. So even if it's Golden Pal, I'm going to try to beat him with Highfield Princess. Well, Highfield Princess is going to have to carry both of us. So hopefully she can do that. She's Uh-oh. carried some, so I know, right? She's carried some heavyweights before. What a mess she is. I, I would love to know the sudden turnaround. Why all of a sudden at five years old, when most mares are thinking of the breeding shed, she's got so good. She's 12 for 30 lifetime. She's five for nine this year. She's made over a million dollars sprinting on turf this year. She brings her jockey, Jason Hart, who nobody's ever heard of over here. He's a good jockey back home, but not the top. Trained by John Quinn, an excellent trainer who doesn't get the recognition that he should have. She gets in light with 123 pounds. She's been carrying 130 pretty much her whole life. 
And she's terrific. I think it's her race to lose. She's shipped over well. She looks good in her flesh. She's adjusted very nicely. Um, she'll be my top pick. I, I don't like Golden Pal. Same reasons that you stated. But there's one more who I'm going to throw in here. Where is he? I can't find him. Casa Creed. I think there's yeah. going to be a pace meltdown up front. And I think this horse is going to come absolutely flying late at Keeneland. Now he's 0 for 3 at Keeneland. And he's shortening up. He's a dual grade one winner sprinting on turf. I think Bill Mott's stats are very, very good going from a route to a sprint. He's big odds. And I'm going to use him underneath Highfield Princess. All right, we move on now to the fifth race on the card. The big, I love saying this, the big ass fans. Greatest sponsor in the history of horse racing, big ass fans, Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Um, I had a hard time separating the top horses in here, which are in the morning line were Gunite, Laurel River, and Cody's Wish. I think that it's obvious, and one of those three will win in here. Um, I don't like Cyberknife because I just don't like his last race. I don't like a horse coming into the Breeders' Cup off kind of a clunker. In, in his case, uh, you know, I, I know it was a tough field in Pennsylvania Derby, but that was the poorest race he's run in quite some time. I ultimately settled on Laurel River. And, um, you know, for a couple, one of the main reasons was, even though Cody's wish is five for five at a mile, um, he's never won a mile around two turns. He's not a two-turn horse. Neither is Gunite. He's a, strictly a one-turn horse trying to stretch out from seven furlongs to a two-turn mile. Laurel River, among the three, is the horse that has had two races around two turns at one mile and won both of them. Plus, I've been listening to Zoe rave about how this horse has been working out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny looking at looking numbers-wise, if you check out the rags and the thoroughgraph and the bias speed figures, he doesn't have the best numbers in the race. But I think physically for me, I'm going to have to go with Laurel River. It's interesting that Hernandez is off. And Ortiz is on. Hernandez has ridden this horse in his last two starts. It begs me to wonder, had Ortiz not been riding the juvenile, would he be riding Cave Rock? I guess that's something we'll never know. But Ortiz replaces Hernandez on here. And Hernandez has done a terrific job. But I think Bob is just looking at the overall picture. If I can get Ortiz, I'm going to put him on. So he rides Laurel River in here. Uh, I think it's his race to lose. Uh, Cody's Wish has run some massive numbers. But I'm with you on the two turns things. But... One thing about Bill Mott bringing horses in, he doesn't misplace his stock very often. So for me, it's intriguing. And if you're seeing some of the Bill Mott trainees and thinking, oh, they look a little dull in their hair coat and they've got long hair and perhaps you think they don't look as sharp as they should, all his horses came straight in from Saratoga. And it's cold there. He hasn't clipped them. He's just let them stay natural. So if you're wondering why some of Bill's look perhaps a little woolly and a little hairy, that they, they are coming in from Saratoga. So I, I can be pretty brief here. You guys have covered everything. Uh, the, you know, my thoughts exactly on most of these horses. I, Cody's Wish is a great story because of his namesake, Cody Dorman. Uh, we'll have, if you don't know the story, we'll have a five-minute feature on NBC about that story leading into the Dirt Mile. So I would encourage you to watch that. I will say this: uh, if after the if right before the race uh, you notice that it's just Jerry Bailey and not me, and I'm gone from the set, it's because I've gone to the betting window. If Laurel River is nine to two on the board as he <laughs> wow. is in the, in the program line, I really like Laurel River in here. A lot of respect for Cody's wish, but for just what you said, Bill, the two turns as opposed to one turn, uh, I think that's just enough of a difference for the horse 
he's going to have to run down Laurel River to win. Laurel River's got more tactical speed. He'll be in a better spot. And I don't think Cody's Wish is going to be able to get by Laurel River. I like Laurel River uh, a lot. So that's three votes for Laurel River among our team. So let's see if we can get that one home. Sixth race on the card is the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mayor Turf. Foreign horses, including the Japanese horse from last year, have won five of the last six. Chad Brown has won this race four times, and he's going to win a fifth time. My best bet of the day is in Italian in here. And she is just fast. Now, I know you don't necessarily think of a horse like that for a mile and three sixteenths race. Distance could be a bit of a challenge for her as primarily she's been running at a mile, but she's got the kind of early foot in here that you don't necessarily see in this kind of division. Usually horses that go to the front, you know, plot along in 24 and change, 49, that type of thing. She's capable of getting out there. Look what she did in the just a game, 22 and one, 45 and two. I know she faded that day, but she's got that kind of speed. Last time out in the first lady, that was a really good field, all Chad Brown all the time. She goes to the front. She holds on easily to win, you know, comfortably by a length. I think she gets out front. I'm not in love with the 11 post, but I think that will also force Joel Rosario's hand. You know, he can't fool around. He's got to take her right to the front. I really like her in there. Chad Brown obviously has this race. Um, you know, he's figured out how to win this race. I don't like his other Philly Rougier that much. He's been a little bit confusing to me all along. Um, and I think uh, above the curve, Joseph O'Brien is the best of the, um, not not the best, because um, obviously uh, uh, Nashua is going to take a lot of money. It's probably a deserving favorite in here. No knocks on her. But above the curve, only lost to her by a nose last time out in the Prix de l'Opera. Looks like she's improving. It'll be a little bit of value, but, but better value than Nashua on there. So I'm, I'm very confident in Italian is going to go wire to wire win this one for Chad Brown and give him his fifth winner in this race. Do you think maybe she might bounce? I yeah, I mean, I could totally see her winning. She's going to control the pace. The post doesn't bother me because she's going to control the pace. She There have been several races in her career already where it looked like there was com competing speed in the race against her. And an eighth of a mile out of the gate, boom, she's gone. I mean, she's got a tremendous turn of foot that first furlong. And she relaxes after that. They found that out. So I think she will control the pace. My primary concern is not the bounce. My concern is that in her last two starts where she was so impressive and the numbers were so big, she was running on turf courses that were just like this. The Saratoga turf course was extremely firm. And at the beginning of the Keeneland meet, uh, the turf course was just out of control firm. They've been, uh, they, they didn't want the turf course to be that firm for the Breeders' Cup. So uh, they have been, I've been told they've been watering the turf pretty aggressively uh, to, to try to get it, you know, they don't want it European soft, but they want to, you know, take some of the hardness out of it. So I don't think an Italian is going to get the same sort of footing that she got in those last two starts. That's the only concern I have for her. But I, I agree with Bill on uh, above the curve. Uh, Nashua is a legitimate favorite, but again, I mean, they were hard to separate at the end of their last race. They were right there together in the pre de la Opera, which has been traditionally, you know, an outstanding prep for the Philly and Mare turf. Uh, and the thing about above the curve, when they sent her to Longchamp to run in the, in the pre de la Opera, Joseph O'Brien trains above the curve for Coolmore. They also had Tuesday running in the opera. She's also in this race. So, as I was told, Ryan Moore had his choice of which filly he wanted to ride in that race, and he chose to ride above the curve because he thought she had a better chance than Tuesday. 
and above the curve, finished ahead of Tuesday. Now in this race, you get to the big stage, even bigger than the Prix de Opera for the Coolmore boys, as they call them. You get to the Breeders' Cup. And I haven't found out yet. We're going to talk to Aiden O'Brien later. But in my opinion, I think Ryan Moore was asked to ride Tuesday. He, I, don't, I'm, I don't think he was given his choice in this race. Uh, so Johnny Velasquez will pick up the mount on above the curve. And at 9-2, to two, uh, I'll take her to win. I, I, I can't talk you off of her. I love Nashua in here. Um, I know she ran a huge race in the pre Opera. Uh, it was coming off a layoff, and John Gosden knows exactly what type of horses to bring over here. I don't think she was at her best that day, and I don't think she was at her best on that ground. Um, I don't think it took too much out of her because I think she was looked after a little bit by Holly, uh, and I think she's the best filly in the race. So she gets in with 120 pounds. She gets Holly Doyle. She's well-drawn on the inside. She's even though she just ran on the 2nd of October, she's fresh because I, I know that John didn't have her fully cranked for that race because why would you bring her back if you didn't have other races after that race in mind? So she's coming over here and I think she is a filly to beat in here. I think Chad's filly, the speed of the speed, like you said, Randy, probably not going to handle a little bit of give in this turf course. They were cutting it up pretty good. Good thing they were around the dogs this morning on the outside fence, so you don't have to worry about the turf course at all. But it's Nashua for me, and I'm, I'm looking forward for Holly Doyle to win her first Breeders' Cup race. Bill, this is the first time that I'm going to piss off Zoe. Uh-oh. Here <laughs> you ready? All right. Let me drink. So, Let me drink this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I had a Bloody Mary or a margarita specifically instead of my life horse. So Look, we know that European racing is a different animal from American racing. And we know that that riders have to make an adjustment in the way they ride typically when they when they when they transition from European to American racing. Uh, William Buick does it brilliantly. Frankie Dettori does it does it brilliantly. Holly Doyle is obviously a top level rider. I mean, she's the most successful female rider in the history of British racing. And she's just, a, you know, a good rider over there overall. Forget about being a female or male. Okay. She's had two mounts in America. The first mount was in a Breeders' Cup race. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. You can go back and watch it on video. She did not look good. Her second mount in America was in the Belmont, the two mile Belmont Gold Cup this year on June the 10th at Belmont Park. And it was probably the worst ride I have seen in any major American stakes race in 2020. Wow. It was a horrific ride. You have to go watch it to believe it. So that's my, that's my, I agree Nashua is the horse to beat, but that is my, that's my primary concern. I know it's horse racing. It's not jockey racing. Uh, and Nashua, I think, is the best horse on paper. But uh, that's the primary reason why I went, and price, why I went above the curve instead of Nashua. And Zoe will probably never talk Go about get that. him, Zoe. Come on. You got you to gotta go get it. You got to fight back for Holly here. It's a two-mile race, and I will go back and watch it. So I, I'm going to forgive her for that. She's done nothing wrong on this filly. And um, you'll, I think you'll be buying me a Bloody Mary at the end of Breeders' Cup. Well. <laughs> Best on it right now, and I'll just leave it at that. I know where to find you. Okay, Nobody's drinking extra in Mayo today. 
Uh, well, Randy left his home. Looks like he's in a trailer somewhere. I am. Okay. Next race on the card, the seventh, is the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Jackie's Warrior, obviously a heavy favorite when Jack Christopher wasn't entered in here, really changed the uh, whole complexion of this race. Probably would be the, the biggest favorite on the card next to, I would imagine, Flight Line in the Breeders' Cup. And you know what, guys? I love Jackie's Warrior, but I got to try to beat him in here. Um, you know, last year he was one to two in the sprint. He didn't come through. In uh, 2020, he was 9 to 10 in the juvenile. He didn't come through. Last time out in the forego, he ran a big race, got a big number, a 109 buyer. But at 15 cents on the dollar, he didn't come through there either. I don't think this is a particularly tough race for him, Having said, even though it is a Breeders' Cup race. I'm surprised I'm saying that. But he just looks like, you know, I can't count on this horse, especially if he's going to be three to five in here, maybe even a little bit lower. Um, I'm not in love with anybody else in here, but I'm such a big Wesley Ward fan. I'll try to get Kamari home, a mayor running against the boys here. Randy, I don't know where these two numbers came from. They came out of the middle of nowhere in a five-year-old year, but a 105 in the Honorable Miss, a 106 in the Gallant Bloom. If she can run that number, she can possibly give Jackie's Warrior a fight. And if he's not going to show up and put in his very best race, she could win. She gets three pounds, not a big deal, but for the Philly allowance. Um, Jackie's Warrior, since you're Randy, or am I onto something? I, I, I agree with you uh, in, 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 in a certain respect. Uh, I mean, Jackie's Warrior's races that he lost in the Breeders' Cup can be excused, really. Uh, two turns in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, we know now, is not Jackie's Warrior's right. game. Delmar last year, he came out of the race with a chip in his knee and he had to be had to be operated on. So you can make the case, uh, whether it's true or not, that his form was compromised in that race by injury. Uh, last start, he had no excuse. He was outrun at a short price. But to me, I agree. That's the kind of horse you want to try to beat. My problem with Kamari is that in her last two races where she ran the big numbers, she ran in very short fields in slow paced races. If you go back and you look through her past performances in the races in which she that are, that are run in the at the kind of pace you would expect the Breeders' Cup Sprint to be run, forty four and change for the half mile, uh, she typically doesn't stand up to that kind of pace pressure as well. So the one horse in here that has visually, you know, really impressed me, other than Jackie's Warrior at his best, is the Judmont horse Elite Power from the Belmont Barn. Uh, you can go back and look at his maiden race, his two allowance races, and it's just like, wow, boy, this horse really looks good. And then they ran him in the Vosburg last time, and it was a weak field. It was just a five-horse field. Uh, the first stakes race in his career, he was one to two, partly because of how weak the field was, partly because of how impressive he had looked. Uh, and uh, he did it again. And he was a slow-paced race. But he's he's run well in fast paced races before when he's been further back. And if I'm going to try to beat Jackie's Warrior, which I am, uh, it's elite power for me at six to one with Irad. Everything Ra Randy just said, double it. Uh, elite power, six to one. I don't know why he's suddenly so good. He's won his last four. You couldn't find him with a search warrant when he tried to break his maiden last year at Churchill. Uh, maybe it's just his four-year-old year, but he's fantastic. I love Jackie's Warrior. He's going to take a lot of beating, but should someone beat him, it's going to be Elite Power. You know, Randy, you mentioned this, but and I looked at Elite Power because I was trying to beat Jackie's Warrior too, but I, I'm just going to uh, uh, accentuate what you said. The Vosper was a terrible field, absolutely terrible. 
So I, mean, I can't get and, and, you know, he did what he was supposed to do, obviously, but it one to two. That would be my one knock on him. But it's all three of us are trying to beat Jackie's warrior. So we'll see if we can get the uh, for our picks, the chalk to go down. But what a what, win or lose, what a wonderful career that horse has had. And uh, so nice to see him come back as a four year old when uh, that's one outfit that didn't decide to send their horse right off the stud and, and cash in on that. OK, now we go to race eight, which is the Breeders' Cup mile and uh Pretty even in here so far as the Europeans have won three of the last four, but uh, they've only won four of the last 11. So I don't think there's an edge either way. Um, I didn't really know. I had a hard time with this race. Um, I would have picked domestic spending because I have that much faith in Chad Brown bringing this horse back. And I thought he was just a super horse last year. But I can't pick him from the 14 post. Uh, Ken Ross, I like, but uh, he's a little bit of a question of the distance. And he's got the 13 post. So I'm going to let post positions um, influence my picks in here. Modern Games is certainly going to be tough in here. I would have liked him better if he won the Queen Elizabeth last time out. He ran fine. He looked really good in the Woodbine Mile. I'm going to go for a little bit of a little bit of a price here with Dream Loper. Um, I mean, she's been a little bit inconsistent this year. She started off with two wins and then didn't run great in the next two starts, one in Ireland, one, one in the Nassau Stakes at Goodwood. But then she came out last time out and looked fantastic, winning the Freedom Milan and Longchamp by five and a half lengths, beat Order of Australia, who's a pretty good horse, will be back in this field, uh, back in this race as well. I'll pick Modern Game second. I hate to try to pick against Charlie Appleby, but I think this horse is going to be a little bit over bet, Randy. Seven to two in the morning line. I think it's going to go a little bit less in there. Uh, very uh, not uh, have no confidence in this race whatsoever, but just so we're keeping score. Probably a race that I'll pass my own betting just because we're keeping score at home. I'll go with Dream Loper. Uh, one favorite I'm not going to try to beat is Modern Games. Uh, his defeat in the in the Queen Elizabeth II, the QE2 at Escott, didn't bother me that much. Uh, the course condition was was very soft that day. It's rated good to soft, but it was I think even. In reality, I think it was even softer than that. And I think that had a lot to do with Modern Games' defeat. And he still ran well to finish second to Bayside Boy, who's a nice horse. More importantly, uh, he's made the trip over to North America twice. You know, he won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf last year, as we know. You couldn't bet on him, but he won. Uh, Woodbine, he was extremely impressive. Uh, so all respect in the world for Dream Loper. All respect in the world to Ken Ross. I agree with the post-position concerns there about Ken Ross. Uh, respect for Annapolis, but he had a dream rail trip last time when he won the uh, the Coolmore Turf Mile at Keeneland, and now he's stuck in post 11. So instead of getting a rail trip, he's probably going to get a trip that's probably three wide, and that's going to be a difference of about, you know, three or four lengths right there. So I'm not going to try to beat Modern Games, Zoe. Modern Games look good this morning, too. You'll be glad to hear. He had a nice little canter around the turf course, holding good flesh. Charlie knows how to bring them over. I think it's between modern games. I still like Kinross, even with a horrible draw. I think Frankie's going to have to try and use some magic there with Kinross. Um, you know, we, we kind of forget that he's got plenty of speed, Kinross does. So I think he'll use him a little bit. And uh, I'm probably going to wind up doing an exact box with modern games and Kinross and not get very much back. But I think those are the top two in there for me. The TD and Riders Room is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association. The Pennsylvania bred Claiming Crown Trial will be debuted at Penn National. That'll be Friday, November 25th with two introductory starter allowances with purses of $50,000. The conditions for the starter, three-year-olds and up and three-year-olds and up fillies and mares who've run for a tag of 7,500 or less within the last 
18 months. Very familiar starter allowance conditions. And speaking of PA, we'll be talking about a horse who made her last start in PA coming up when we talk about the distaff. We'll be right back after this message from the PHPA. Here in Pennsylvania, we're proud of our breeding program, the best in North America, but we're also proud to be leaders in this industry. The PA Horse Breeders Association is funding cutting edge research at Penn Vet to detect gene doping in thoroughbreds. And we endorsed the SAFE Act to help protect the most vulnerable horses. Plus, we're pleased to support the aftercare programs set up by our horsemen's groups. Just a few of the reasons why you should join us in Pennsylvania, the premier place to breed and race. The Green Group Guest of the Week is sponsored by The Green Group, an accounting and tax consulting advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred industry. With over 500 clients in the horse business, they have proven strategies to save you taxes. Learn more about how they can help you at www.greenco.com. Moments ago, we got to see the Champ Flightline School, and uh, I stood on a tree branch to basically interview John Sadler. John, we've done this before. I'm on the hill and you're on the downhill. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Um, you know, the weather's going to be nice for the big weekend. I'm happy about that. I don't have to look at the weather app 20 times a day. So um, the track was beautiful this morning. They had a nice gallop. So we're just on, you know, two more days after today of the same thing. He looked like he's schooled to perfection here today. He really did. He likes this paddock. We brought him last Friday in the, in the races and he was very good. So, um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I had him penciled in maybe to school again tomorrow. He may not even come because um, he's really good. And, you know, it's nice as you have such a large crowd. So yeah. it kind of simulates, um, not like it's going to be, but it's nice, a big crowd. Do you feel like a little bit of a weight's been lifted off you because most of the heavy lifting has been done, John? I don't know. They, they asked me that. I don't know. You know, we got two more days to go and horses are day to day. We all know that. Um, but right now I'm in a good mood. His last work, I don't think I've ever seen him finish quite as fast as he did here at Keeneland. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's such a good worker. You've seen so many of his works and they're all published. You know, he's, he's capable of doing anything in the morning, but he went very well over the track and you know the way he comes back out of it you know he's not drawing a breath so we feel pretty good about his conditioning you came with accelerate a few years ago is it a different feeling now that you've won a breeders cup race and now you're bringing flight line well i mean everybody was shocked yesterday i said well this is a better horse you know <laughs> so the idea when you come to breeders cup you should try to come every year with a better horse so um this is the best horse we brought here obviously so we're looking forward to it Are you having fun yeah what, what about the ownership group? It looks like they're having a pretty good time as well. Uh, we got great ownership with West Point Thoroughbreds, Heronis Racing, Woodford Thoroughbreds, Sienna Farm, Lane's End. So got a good group and they're all pros. So it's really not, not a lot of work for me. Real quick, John. And Jane Lyons. And Jane, of course, the breeder. We talked about Flightline extensively last April. We sat on a bucket at your barn and went over Flightline. How has the journey been for you throughout the summer and leading up to this? It's been it's been a good journey, you know. Um, it's not always, you know, with horses, it's not always a straight line. And, you know, we obviously wanted to have another start this year that didn't happen. But, um, you know, we really wanted to win the Met Mile. We think that's a stallion's race. Pacific Classic is our biggest race in Southern California and a race that I love and the ownership loves. So um, we're hitting our marks. and. You know, one more to go. John, always a pleasure. So good to have you here. Thanks, Ollie. Thank you. Good All luck. Right, you bet. 
The Green Group Guest of the Week is sponsored by The Green Group, an accounting and tax consulting advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred industry. And as this week's Guest of the Week, John Sadler, will receive a free one-hour tax consultation. Learn more at www.greenco.com. And we'll be right back after this message from, coincidentally, The Green Group. Why do the most successful owners, breeders, and horsemen select the Green Group as their tax advisor? We simply save them money and know how to make them more successful. Over the past 40 years, founder Leonard Green has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport. His in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made the Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com. The Green Group, proven strategies to save you taxes. The TDN Writers Room is brought to you by XBTV. XBTV.com is home to all your workouts and more. The XBTV Workout of the Week is Cave Rock. He's going to be the favorite for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile scene here, working with Mastering now. Hall of Famer Bob Baffert was on the walkie-talkie to the guy on Mastering and simply saying, just don't even bother. Don't even bother trying to keep up. As you can see, Cave Rock going about his business, absolutely leaving his company behind. Cave Rock, you can find that on XBTV.com and many more. The only way to watch your workouts in the morning. And now the weekend preview segment brought to you by Three Chimneys. We're going to continue with previewing the Breeders' Cup. We'll take a look now at the Distaff Turf and Breeders' Cup Classic. Race nine on the card is the Breeders' Cup Distaff. I think next to the Classic, this is the second best race of the entire program. This is what this thing is absolutely loaded in here. So many good fillies in here could go a bunch of different ways. Um, Anest is the deserving favorite in here. She's been brilliant uh, ever since running second in the Belmont, running through wins in the Coaching Club, Alabama, and Belgium. But the value in here, and I think Zoe's going to agree with me on this one because I remember what she said in the past. The value is Clarier because she's going to be the forgotten horse based on her race in the personal ensign. If you like Malathat, how do you not like Clarier? She beat her twice. She beat her in the Ogden Phipps and beat her in the Shoe V. Her race in the personal ensign is a complete throwout. She lost the race at the gate. She was very fractious. She banged her head against the starting gate. It's a complete throwout. Trainer Steve Asmussen, who is as good as it gets, has had all that time to get her ready for this. I think this race is going to be three of them on the wire. It's going to be who gets the best trip. Clarier, Nest, Malathat, uh, search results, no slouch either. Uh, remember, Secret Oath won the Kentucky Oaks, but she hasn't been the same filly in quite some time. Zoe, Clarier, what do you think? Uh, I like her. Um, I'm not using her on top. I love Malafat okay. in here, watching her works. I think she's head and shoulders. I love Nest as well, and she's worked very nicely. But Malafat just seems to have come into her own of late. I don't think the one hole is going to hurt her. She won from the one hole last time out, taking the spinster and almost propping at the wire with Johnny V. She did it so easily. So it's going to be Malafat for me. Um, I'm with you on Clarier, but, you know, Nest is going to run her race. Um, she, yeah horse to beat off numbers. But I think we're forgetting about the other Asmussen in here in society. The daughter, there you go, Randy, the daughter of Gunrunner. She's comfortably drawn on the outside, field of eight. She's got plenty of time to get over. She's fast. She gets Giroux. She's six to one. And I don't think we've seen the best of her. You know, she's run some great numbers, but she's barely ever been favored. She was Seven to one last time. She was favored at Charlestown. Why wouldn't she be favored at Charlestown? 
she was favored in the Monomoy Girl. She wasn't favored when she broke her maiden. I think we're overlooking society on the outside. And as much as I love Malafat, Oh. Drawn down on the rail. I think the now Philly could I, well I, that's, be that's society, and I, I just totally hope we get to see Look, her next year. I, as I well. love Mal. I mean, I mean she can wire the like field, can't she? Right? She's, yeah, she's like, I totally agree. She scares the heck out of me. Air beater twice, right? Yeah. I mean, she's in good form right now and all, okay. but you know, she's she's not an unbeatable type of Philly. Uh, Clary Air total throwout last time uh, because of what happened in the starting gate. I I firmly believe that. She was in great form before that, but she's not unbeatable either. She's going to run well. Uh, Nest, you know, I mean, you can make the case. I mean, who did she beat in the Bell Dame? She was one to 10 or one to 20. Uh, yeah. Society, if you go back and watch her races, Charlestown's Oak and the Cotillion, really only two you need to watch. And what you're going to immediately see is going to be like when the gates open, wow. You, aggressively sprinting like a quarter horse almost to the lead. And you're like, how in the heck is this horse going to last? Right. And she gets to the lead. She settles. She relaxes. And then when they start to come to her at one point, you know, she just rebreaks again and, and opens up and, and wins seemingly with something left. Although I know that's often misleading. What's going to happen in here? Search results has speed. But even though, you know, we, we didn't talk to Chad Brown about this. I, I promise you my opinion. Since search results was run down at a mile and an eight when she hooked up with Latruska early uh, in one of her other races, I think they're concerned a little about her getting the mile and an eighth distance. And I don't think they want any part of going up to hook society on the front end. So I think they'll be content to sit second. And that means society will have a nice, comfortable trip on the front end. I think she'll control the pace. Uh, Wake at midnight, we'll be up there stalking as well. But that's society's game. And given the fact that I think she's going to get the trip and that she's in great form, uh, and the name of the game on dirt is speed, at six to one, that's me. Race 10 on the card is the Breeders' Cup turf. Let's move on to that. Um, the Europeans have won six of their last seven, and they're going to have some very strong horses in here. But I tell you, I can poke holes in, in most of the, the main European contenders. First of all, Rebels Romance, three to one in the morning line. You got the Apple B factor. But the horse has won his last two group ones in Germany. German racing is just not as strong as France, Ireland, and England. You can't take that and look at it and equate it to what you see in the three main countries in Europe. Um, the other uh, Appleby horse in here, Nation's Pride, Randy, it just isn't all that fast. I mean, another horse looked very good beating three-year-olds in the Saratoga Derby and the Jockey Club Derby Invitational, but that 96 buyer number doesn't do a whole lot for me. Mistriff, at 11, uh, the 11 horse at 6-1. to one. Uh, I know uh, soft last time out in the Arc de Triomphe, anybody can run poorly in that race, but it's just not in good form right now. Hasn't won in ages all the way back since August of uh, uh, eight, August 18th of 2021. So I, I think that there's, you know, like I said, I'm going to poke a hole. I got some knocks in every single one of, of the main European contenders in here. So if I'm going to go for an American horse, I'm going to go for Warlike Goddess. Um, I love, absolutely loved her last race. I like the way that she was closer to the pace. Now, uh, that was with Lescano aboard. Rosario comes back on her. Um, but her flower ball was a disaster from the trip. She's just so consistent, so good. She's got Bill Mott. And Mott, you know, what a smart trainer he is in here. To run her against boys last time out in the turf classic, to come back against boys again, she certainly has a better chance in this race, I think, than she would have in the mile and a three-sixth 
16 Breeders' Cup filly and Mayor Turf. So I'm a Warlike Goddess fan in here. I think she's a terrific filly. She should have won the Eclipse Award last year. She's going to win the Eclipse Award this year when she wins this race, Mandy. Oh, look, I, it, would I be surprised if Warlike Goddess beat the Europeans? No, I would not. I mean, I think you all, you know, all love in the world of Warlike Goddess. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, going to run out and buy stock in Charlie Appleby. Uh, but look, <laughs> I went into here deciding. I, I thought I knew who I liked the better of the two Charlie Appleby horses visually. But I knew William Buick was going to have his choice. So I said, let's let's let William Buick make the call here. Which horse is better of the Applebee's? Is it Rebels Romance from Germany or is it Nation's Pride? And William Buick has chosen to ride Nation's Pride. And I think it is a good choice. The buyer speed figure of the Jockey Club Derby, the 96, doesn't bother me in the least. And this is why. Last year, Yabir was shipped over by Applebee to run in the same race, the Jockey Club Derby. And he won it. And he looked pretty good winning it. He got a 94, if I recall, 94 buyer speed figure. And they took him back to England and they brought him back for the Breeders' Cup turf. And as a three-year-old, he took a big step forward when they got him back to the mile and a half turf. And he ran 10 points faster. He ran a 104, coming from way back, nailing the speed at the wire. To me, Nation's Pride was far more visually impressive in the Jockey Club Derby than Yabir was the year before. If you look at Nation's Pride's three races in the United States this year, he's been here and back three different times, so he's accustomed to it. I think he shows a great progression already. In his first start, the Belmont Derby, uh, I hated Frankie DeTore's ride. I thought he rode him very passively early, and he got himself shuffled back, and he was way too far back. He wound up you know, four wide on the second turn. Uh, still finished well to be narrowly beaten by Classic Causeway, a horse that he should have been able to outrun in his sleep at a mile and a quarter. Came back in the Saratoga Derby, Detori off, William Buick on. Uh, he, As you see happen a lot of times with these European riders when they come to America, especially Ryan Moore, uh, William Buick rode Nation's Pride very aggressively out of the gate, wanting to get him into the race as opposed to his previous start with Detori. And rode him so aggressively that you wondered how he would finish. But it's Charlie Appleby. It's a European horse. He finished very well. He went by Classic Causeway. He won. He was drifting a little bit, you know, wandering in the stretch, probably because he was used so much early. So I was very interested to see if there would be a progression third time out in the Jockey Club Derby. And immediately you knew there was because he put his back to Frankie DeTore. He put DeTore right into the race at the start. Didn't have to urge him at all. He took him right there. And the pace wasn't that slow. And then when he kicked, oh, my gosh. I mean, you talk about a visually impressive kick. 22 and four for the last quarter of a mile, uh, going a mile and a half, uh, 224.14 final time. I think he's going to show another step forward in the Breeders' Cup turf. And I know I've gone over my time allotment here, but I like uh, I like Nation's Pride. Yeah, what, what he said, basically. <laughs> Wow. Okay. That's it. That's simple, huh, Zoe? <laughs> I mean, I, I can't really add much more to, to Randy's diatribe there, but yeah, what he said with Nation's Pride, I do like, <laughs> I do like Warlike Goddess, um, I, I have to say. Um, and I hope maybe that Rosario watched the race last time and see that she can be yes. a little bit closer if it's slower. But I will say one thing. I didn't think she had as good a turn as foot 
last time. I thought maybe she just hung just a little bit rather than produce late. I'm not sure we saw such a blazing turn of foot. Um, when well, she so was, was that because she was closer early? It was. Yeah, it, it right. was. She got the job done. So, but she's going to be facing a lot stiffer. So I'll just leave that in Rosario's hands. She gets a little bit of a break in weights with 123 pounds. Hey, she's five for five of the distance and two for two at Keeneland. You can't beat that with a stick. Mm-hmm. So it's her race to lose, and we'll just see how she comes up against Nation's Pride, who, yeah, what he said, basically. Good job. Now, well, yeah, thank you. So. Um, <laughs> now, just like we didn't talk about Echo Zulu at all, when we got to the uh, <laughs> sprint, we have not yet uttered the word Mishrif. Despite no, we haven't. The fact the I did. I, got, I, I knocked Mishrif. Oh, you didn't knock him. I'm sorry, then. I'm sorry. I was, I was too busy thinking about my diatribe for Nation's Pride. Um, <laughs> the thing, the thing if Mishrif happens to win this race, and it's John Gosden, for Christ's sakes, uh, he will be the richest horse in earnings ever to compete in North America. Primarily because of obviously the Saudi Cup that he won, the inaugural Saudi Cup on dirt. Uh, I just think he's a little over the top, like you said, probably. And uh, so that's why I couldn't go with him. So there. TD and Riders Room and the Weekend Preview is brought to you by Three Chimneys, the home of Gunrunner. And how about the prodigy of Gunrunner in the Breeders' Cup? Taba in the Classic, Echo Zulu in the Philly and Mare Sprint, and Wicked Halo also in that race. Gunite and Cyberknife in the Dirt Mile, Society, we've talked about her, in the Distaff, and Grand Love, who probably set the pace, in the Juvenile Phillies. Sharp Azteca also stands at Three Chimneys, his progeny in the Breeders' Cup. Alma Alma Rose, let's say that right. Alma Rose in the Juvenile Phillies, and then in the Juvenile Turf Sprint, both Tyler's Tribe and Sharp as Attack. That's a nice murderer's row lineup there for Stallion standing at Three Chimneys. We'll be right back for part two of the weekend preview after this message from Three Chimneys. Here comes Tama. Tama in the center of the track with good looking stride. Squares off with Cyberknife. Cyberknife takes the lead. Tama going with him. These two in a thriller. Cyberknife just in front. And Cyberknife has won the TBG.com Haskell over Tama. Jack Christopher finished third. The running time, 1 minute 46.24 seconds. Come, dream with us at Three Chimneys. And welcome back. We continue with a weekend preview brought to you by Three Chimneys. And we saved the best for last, the Breeders' Cup Classic. I got to tell you, I can't remember the last time I was looking forward to a Breeders' Cup race as much as this. And the reason is obvious because of flight line. Um, you, you know, we are been so spoiled. I know it's he's only raced five times. We've been so spoiled to see this horse. I mean, he's done things that I didn't think I would see in my lifetime. You know, I was fortunate enough as a very small wee child to see Secretariat run in person at the Belmont Stakes. And his race in the Pacific Classic absolutely reminded me of that. Maybe it's blasphemy to say it was as good, but it was certainly the best race I've seen of any horse run since Secretariat in the Belmont Stakes. Uh, by no means would I try to pick against him. Matter of fact, I, I want to get, after I do my little diatribe, I wanna, I've set the over-under on how many lengths he wins by at six and a half. Quickly, over or under, Randy? And Zoe, you too. Uh, under. 
All right. I made you think about, you, you know, the reason why it's not 19, of course, is because he's running in a much, much better field than he ran against in the Pacific Classic. I mean, in hindsight, that probably wasn't a very good field. He's not going to win by 19 lengths. But, you know, it's such a treat. From a betting standpoint, I think the way to go is to try to figure out who's going to run second in here. I'm going to take a stand against Life is Good, who probably is the uh, probably be the third or fourth choice in here. There's not a ton of value in throwing him out. I didn't like his Woodward one bit. Um, I, I know Todd Pletcher has given you some reasons why he thinks the race is a little bit better than looks on paper, but I just don't like him coming into the race off, uh, you know, where he was one to a thousand and, you know, wasn't life and death to win or anything like that. But he really did, uh, you know, have a challenge on his hands. I've been a Taba fan all along. I think he will run second. I think the second place finishes between the two top three-year-olds in either Taba or Epicenter. Rich Strike, the other three-year-old in there. I don't think he's quite good enough to do it in here. But Taba, when this horse won the Santa Anita Derby in his second lifetime start, that signaled to me that there was absolutely something special here. He took a little bit of a while to regroup, and he finally came into his own and showed what he's all about in the Pennsylvania Derby, which was a dynamite race. Nothing wrong with Epicenter at all. I'm going to play. It's not a ton of value, but that's how I'm going to play the race. Flight line on top and exact as Uteba and Upper Center, Randy. Oh, you know, Bill, after my diatribe in the turf, I want to do like they do in the Senate and the House of Representatives sometimes. I'm, I'm going to cede to Zoe. <laughs> Zoe, why don't you go there you first go. on flight line? <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you saw flight line school today, right? Did yep. he not look good? I actually was thinking judging by the pictures that I've seen of him last week, I'm like, oh, he looks a little lighter than he looked in California. I don't know. He's been working really fast. And I saw him today. And I'm like, oh, throw that out the window. He looks great. Mm -hmm. um, he's going to be tough to beat. I pulled up his thoroughgraph numbers. Negative eight and a half, negative four, negative five, negative five, and a zero when he broke his maiden. Those are just unheard of. Nobody's touching him. I mean, he can go back 10 lengths and he's probably still the best horse in the race. So it's flight line for me of everyone, everything I've seen. I thought Tabor looked terrific schooling today. Just, just like a copper shiny penny by Gunrunner. Uh, he looks like he's put on weight since he got here, to be perfectly honest. Um, he's going to get a great trip from the rail under Mike Smith. Um, he's probably going to be sitting in the catbird seat. It's going to be really interesting to see how fast they go into the first turn. Because you got Tabor pegged by Life is Good, who they slapped the draw reins back on him this week. They took him off at Saratoga because he'd he'd gotten to where he would acquiesce with the rider and just relax. But He's on his game. And when he's wearing his draw reins, he's on his game. He's been super tough to handle. So I think he's going to be as sharp as attack, pun intended. And are we set, what are we setting the over-under at for the opening quarter? 23 uh, over? 20, no. 23 and 2? No, 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 no. Running down the stretch, straight line, mile and a quarter. Great 22 line. and change is the norm wow. for the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. Like 22 and okay. four, something like this. I would say obviously with 22 and three. Randy, how far in, how far in, what's after the first quarter mile? Life is good as in front by how much? Where is, where is flight line? After the first quarter, I'll say life is good is uh, in the three to four path around the first turn. Probably a length and a half ahead of flight line. Okay. When they turn up the back stretch, I think Flavian Pratt will go to about the eight or nine path. 
going down the backside, while life is good, is still well off the rail because I think Pratt is going to try like heck to keep Flightline from getting too aggressive and putting him too close to life is good. I think he's going to, down the backstretch, it doesn't matter how wide you are, I think he's going to be way the hell out to the crown to try to get Flightline relaxed. Um, so I think that's, I think they'll go 22 and 2, uh, 46 flat. And then probably 109 and change for three quarters of a mile. The, I, I, I didn't want Zoe to have to say what he said for two races in a row. Um, <laughs> no. the, uh, the only scenario that I can see Flightline losing, and, and this is possibly a stretch, and, and, but he, here it is. Both Life is Good and Flightline have similar styles in that it's almost like there's a there is a stoplight at the three quarter pole, six furlong pole, and it and it switches to green when both those horses get to the back stretch. They want to go. You saw it in the Pacific Classic, right? Flightline just literally dragged Pratt to the lead at the three quarter pole. That's when that's when Life is Good wants to go, and I, I could see Life is Good taking off like a bat out of hell at the three quarter pole because he's very aggressive right now. And I could see Flightline getting aggressive with Pratt and wanting to go after this horse. Who is this horse? I'm supposed to be in front. You know, these horses are supposed to lay down when I when I when I run up to them. And he's never chased a horse as fast as life is good. And if he gets too competitive too early and if he gets up there head and head with life is good and they go screaming down the backstretch and they're because life is good. You know how fast he is. And if they're 10 lengths ahead of the rest of the field and they get to the quarter pole and flight line has put life as good away and he's two lengths in front, but they've gone 109 and one or 109 and two. That's a scenario in which I can see an epicenter or a Taba perhaps, perhaps running down flight line. But interesting, funny, as usual, a conversation with Bob Baffert this morning. Um, you know, I asked him about Taba and how he was coming up to the race and where he thought he would be early in the race and all that. And he said, well, he said, the good news is uh, Taba loves a target. The bad news is he's got to be able to see the target. <laughs> Bob thinks that Flightline is, uh, in his words, American Pharaoh as a four-year-old. Right. So it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a fascinating race. I think it's Flightline's race to lose. I, you know, I'd love to see him go off and, as they say, run off the TV. Uh, I think he'll win, but that's the only scenario that I that I could see him with a, maybe a chink in his armor. Zoe, what do you think about that as a as a former rider? Do you think that Mike Smith is just going to sit there when they pop the latches? Because I he's He's in the one hole. I can't see him just sitting there and getting covered up. I, I think, think he's, he's going to be. Yeah, I don't still think he's fast enough. And I can't see Smith really sending him to try to go after. I realize what you're saying about the one pulse, but I just don't see Smith. I mean, he doesn't want to get involved with it. It would life as good early. Um, you know, he can sit that comfortable third or fourth trip. What Mike Smith <laughs> told Bob Baffert is that when Table leaves the gate, you think he's going to be in front. And then as soon as he drops his hands back on him a little bit, the horse gets the message right. and is like, okay, I'm fine. And then he kind of comes back to him and he allows himself to be placed where he wants to be placed. Now, where that is, is up to Mike Smith. So I think he's going to be trying to be as close to life as good. 
I think life is good is going to go. Mike's going to send, get to the outside of life is good, hold that position, and then flight line will be in the middle of the racetrack, like you said, going down the backside. Interesting. I think okay. he's going to. I think he's going to be a lot closer than you give him credit for because that horse is sharp right now, super sharp wow. for him. Will he be? Will he be second in the early going instead of flight line? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Huh? Interesting point. The TDN Rice's Room is brought to you by West Point Thoroughbreds. Yes, we're all talking about Flightline, and you too could join West Point Thoroughbreds. Go to westpointtb.com. Flightline, that's all we're talking about this week. But West Point Thoroughbreds also have Battle of Normandy in the Juvenile Turf and Obesos in the Sprint. We'll be right back with this message from West Point Thoroughbreds. All the thrills. Fraction of the bills. Experience the power of the partnership. Change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. Visit westpointtb.com. Backstretch workers are the backbone of the thoroughbred racing industry. Without them, racing would not be possible. The New York Racetrack Chaplaincy provides vital programs and services to all the workers and their families, like sponsor a family, the food pantry, as well as other recreational activities and events. You can help by visiting our website and donating today. Every dollar makes a difference to those who give everything to the sport that we love. Well, the Remy cartoon for the week is in. It's a good one. Sometimes we get a little carried away with the Breeders' Cup, you know, turf sprint this, marathon this, Phillies this, that. Remy is wondering if they're going to have a race eventually for the Breeders' Cup Outriders. He's got a cartoon of Outriders chasing a loose horse, and he says it looks like the Breeders' Cup is diversifying. That's a wrap for this week's TDN Riders Room. I want to thank our Green Group Guest of the Week, John Sadler, my partners, Randy Moss and Zoe Cadman, our producer, Patty Wolf, our associate producer, Katie Petruniak, our editors, Anthony LaRocca, Aaliyah Rocca, and Nathan Wilson, and our new mascot, my dog, Penny. Talk to you next week. Have a great Breeders' Cup, everybody.